Good morning. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but in whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. What a beautiful song to think about, amen? What a beautiful thought to think about as we begin this morning. Thinking about what Jesus did for us. I love what it says. It says, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part, but in whole. It was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Amen? Amen to that. He did something for us that nobody could ever do. He made a way for us to be reconciled to God. The Lord Almighty, the Father of lights, and He did it because He loved us so very much. I want to say good morning to you all. I thank you all for uh, allowing me to be absent last week. I was not feeling good, but I I feel a lot better. And I tell you what, um, I haven't been that sick in a long time. And it it really brought me down. I'm still kind of in recovery mode uh, from it. But I'm so glad to be back. I'm so glad to be uh, able to stand in front of you and proclaim God's word. What an honor it is for me to be able to do that. Uh, This morning I want to talk about our faith. And specifically I want to talk about who it's in. Who is our faith in? If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 6. And we'll start in verse 8. But I want to talk about Stephen. I want to talk about his address to the Jewish council. And let's read Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 15, kind of to get us in the context. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom of the Spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs of Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly 
steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. This brother was full of faith and power and did great wonders and signs among the people. He also was one of the first seven deacons we learn about in Acts 6, uh, verses 3 through 6. These men were chosen to serve the physical needs of the brethren, uh, helping with food, with clothing, with whatever the need was physically for uh, the brethren there so the apostles could devote, and I love this, uh, that they could devote their efforts more to continual prayer and the ministry of the Word. (laughs) Man, let's just take those two things into consideration for a minute. Are we continually in prayer, brethren? Are we uh, ready for the ministry of the Word to go out and and tell the truth uh, to others? Uh, A very encouraging thought. But as we're about to find out that uh, this did not mean that that Stephen and these other deacons uh, just helped with physical needs. Oh, no. Uh, that he does way more than that, way more than just serving tables. He, uh, by his actions, we see how serious Stephen took his faith. So he goes into this synagogue and he preaches to the Jews and they begin to dispute with him about Moses and God. But they weren't able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. That's encouraging, brethren. If I speak the truth to somebody, I don't have to worry if I'm telling somebody something false. Amen? I don't have to worry about uh, stepping back and figuring if I told it the right way or anything like that. All I have to do is take the Bible and teach somebody the truth. Amen? But they weren't able to resist Him. So what do they do? They secretly induce men. (laughs) They stir them up. I like the Greek word for stirred right here. It means to shake like an earthquake. They were with force making people say false statements about this man that they were not able to resist. So if you can't beat them, then just lie on them, right? They said, for we've heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place. Verse 14. And change the customs which Moses delivered to us. They were trying to make Stephen out to be a man who was an outlaw of the Jewish life. Uh, What they followed and what they said was the truth, you know, from God delivered to them through Moses. So we see Stephen full of faith and power resisting those in the synagogues. Why? Because he was serious about his faith. But who was it in? These individuals can't dispute what he speaks, so they lie on him. They try to get rid of him. But was the counsel that Stephen standing in front of serious about their faith? Absolutely even to the point that they would lie to make their faith correct. But who was their faith in? We talked a couple weeks ago about Peter and John, and I think uh, Doug 
talked about them last week, uh, that this... The Sanhedrin and the Jewish council, they're continuing to have this problem with this guy named Jesus from Nazareth. You know, he's really a thorn in their flesh. Now think about that. Jesus being a thorn in your flesh. (laughs) He taught against everything that they were trying to do. So they took their faith Serious, but was it the right faith? You know, they said to the apostles in Acts 5.28, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. They had to have thought, man, we killed this guy already. But we know he didn't stay dead, right? But this is continuing, this Jesus the Nazarene. It's still getting talked about. Things are happening. The the apostles were continuing to do things in Jesus' name that was changing the people in Jerusalem. Think about that. The name of Jesus. Just like it changed people's lives back then, guess what, brethren? It still changes people's lives today. Oh, the beautiful name of Jesus. One of the Pharisees named Gamaliel gives the council some very powerful advice on what they should do with these apostles in Acts 5, 38-39. Listen to what he says to them. They were struggling to try and get rid of him of these apostles and this Jesus talk so they could get back to what they were doing. He says, and now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Think about this. The apostles, along with every other Christian at that time, they were not hesitating to show who they put their faith in. Neither were the Jewish leaders. But there was a difference. There was a huge difference in who they put their faith in. Think about the comment. If this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God... You cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Was God who who they were trying to serve and show their loyalty to? And who they put their faith in? They were leading people the way they wanted to lead them. And using God's word or the law of Moses as their power for what? Their glory. Did they take their faith serious? Oh yeah, very much. But their faith was in the system they had built for themselves. Jesus in Matthew 23, 16 says, Woe to you blind guides. Talking to this Jewish council. Talking to the leaders. Even after Jesus, the apostles' miracles, and now a man with a face like an angel... 
standing before them, they could not hear the truth. Why? Because they could not let go of themselves. They couldn't let go of themselves. In their world, me was number one over anything else. And they took that serious. What a dangerous place, brethren. Only thinking of yourself and what you can do to make your world better, no matter how many sins you commit or who you hurt in the process. What a warning for us today, brethren. They were too important to change. Their agenda is what is going to be done. Not anybody else's, and that's including God's. So many times in our lives, we find ourselves forgetting about everything else that God wants us to do and only worry and take care of us. So Matt, what you're saying is, we don't need to take care of ourselves. We don't need to take care of our bodies. We don't need to take care of our family. We don't uh, need to do the things that we want to do in life. No, what I'm saying is, if Jesus isn't the focus of your faith and the center of your life, you're living a life that's for your glory. Jesus says it best in Mark 8, 36-37, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Because if I live my life through Jesus, I love my spouse the best. If I live my life through Jesus, I love my children the best. If I live my life through Jesus, I love my friends, I love my brethren, I love my co-workers the best. I will do what Jesus would do in every situation that I just mentioned. But what do we do so many times? We think that we can love our spouse the right way. We can love our friends the right way. We can do all of these things. We, we, we. We put our faith in us. And we know that we can handle it. We got this. And the sad thing is we take that seriously. We do it our way and what happens is that causes us to lose sight of Jesus and His words. And when that happens, we begin a path that runs us directly beside these Jewish leaders. We resist the one who will help us the most. The Lord and His Word. So Stephen begins to speak to him. And I'm not going to read all of it, but I do want to start in verse 1. Acts chapter 7 verse 1, and I want to look at 1 through uh, 8. Because I want to talk about this very... I love the way he starts it off. Then the high priest said, Are these things so? Had all these guys lying on him, telling him that he was doing all these things. Are these things so? And, and so Stephen, he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran. And said to him, 
get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give to him a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. Stephen says, our father started out with great faith in the Lord. He took his faith serious with the Lord. Think about what he did. He had to leave his relatives. He had to leave the people that he knew on faith that this God was going to help him. He was told to leave the land. And guess what he did? He did it. He was showing them that Abraham is the example our forefathers should have followed. But they didn't. Whatever he told Abraham to do, he did it. And we know the story of Abraham. We know the story of how he takes Isaac on the mountain. All of those things. What a great person to set up to speak to these Jewish leaders. In order to keep ourselves from moving inward and thinking only of ourselves, we have to remember it starts with who we put our faith in. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. When we have the mind to diligently seek the Lord, we begin to lose sight of ourselves. And we begin to focus on Him and what He wants us to do. Amen? It naturally happens. And before you know it, Jesus is the center of your life. And doing what He wants is just what you do. So He starts with Abraham. And the beauty of Stephen and the beauty of uh, the disciples and really Jesus is He takes people where they're at. He takes these, anybody who He's dealing with, He takes them where they're at and He leads them to Jesus. What Stephen does. Just like Philip did. Jesus would always do that when talking to somebody, right? He'd always lead them to the spiritual. What an encouraging thing for us, brethren. No matter where somebody is that you're talking to, you can always take them where they're at and lead them to Jesus. I say amen to that. <clears throat> so he starts with Abraham, and then he moves into two other characters, Joseph and Moses. And I don't have time to read all of uh, what he put, but I do want us to look at uh, verse 9. He says uh, right before that, that Isaac uh, was circumcised on the eighth day, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. And then in verse 9 he says, 
and the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. He moves from Abraham, this great faith, to these patriarchs who become envious and sell their brother into slavery. Joseph was the, their father's favorite. And he comes to them with these dreams. And he says he's uh, having these dreams about them bowing down to him. And they wanted to get rid of him. He was a pest. He got on their nerves. They took serious pleas in their father. But Joseph was always in the way and keeping them from being able to be able to be as pleasing as they could be because Joseph was always in an interference. So what's the best option? Just to get rid of him. We'll get him out of the way. I want us to think about that spiritually. Is the Word of God a pest to us? Is it something we just don't want to deal with right now? Is the way we're living just fine? Because we're doing all right, what we're doing. We're not really doing anything wrong. But the real truth is, we are. And our faith is more focused on us. And it's contrary to what God's Word says, so we don't want to deal with it. But we'd rather not hear that Word, so we don't be reminded of what we're doing. Because we know it's not right. That puts us in such a dangerous place spiritually. You want to know what comes of that? You stop coming to worship. You stop reading your Bible. You go back to the old ways. You know those old ways that you nailed to the cross? You find yourself falling right back into the same trap. And that's what Stephen's telling the council. There's a pattern. There's a pattern with the patriarchs, with our forefathers, and here you are falling into the same trap, only thinking inward, only being focused on yourself and what you have in store for your life and what you think is the best. If going to church is all right sometimes, it's okay. But if I don't have to all the time, I'm just not. Well, you know that that's contrary to God's Word. Same with Moses. The story in the context is told of the time when Moses goes and sees the children of Israel who were enslaved by the Egyptians. And when an Egyptian was hurting the other Israelite, Moses defends him. And strikes down the Egyptian. Look at verse 24 and 25. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. (laughs) Moses thought the brethren would understand that God would deliver them. But they didn't understand it. The next day when Moses uh, sees two Israelites arguing amongst each other, he tried to stop them. And look at verse 27. 
But who did his neighbor? Uh, but he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him, saying, "Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday?" What is Stephen trying to show the council? You have a pattern, and it goes way back in history. When God really does send something to help you, man, this is a powerful, this is a powerful spiritual application for us, brethren. Catch this, please. When God really does send something to help you, do you reject it? Do you do as uh, our father Abraham, Stephen says, and go... Uh, the way that God wants you to do? Or do you do as the patriarchs and you do as these uh, Israelites not understanding what God is sending you and do your own thing? Stephen goes on and talks about even after uh, they were delivered from Egypt, the Israelites turned from Moses and would not obey him and told Aaron to make gods before us. Look at verse 40 saying, Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. <laughs> we don't even know where he's at. The Israelites turned from Moses. They wouldn't obey him. They wanted to do it their way. The children of Israel had a problem. The reason why troubles continued to follow them, the reason why they go into Babylon, the reason these things happen is because they always resisted the Holy Spirit. Look at what Stephen tells them at the end of this, and I'm about done. Verse 51. He says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Man, that's powerful, ain't it? You always resist the Holy Spirit. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Wow. The faith they had in themselves was just fine to them. Every time the Lord would try to help, they'd turn it down. Nope. I'm good. We got a system set up. I know what I'm doing in my life. It's good. But if I really looked at God's Word and I really thought about, and if I really, 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 really thought about my life, am I doing what God wants me to do in every aspect? Or is it about me? Is my faith really in me? I want to close with one verse just to encourage us with. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I, I, I read it the other day. 
um, use it a lot when we're talking to new Christians, new converts. Uh, but it has just, this verse has just consumed me and it encourages me. You want to know how to make your faith strong in the Lord? You want to know how to make your faith what it needs to be? Look at verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Think about those three things. Do you desire the pure milk of the Word? A baby needs milk. If a baby don't have milk, what happens to that baby? That baby doesn't make it. Spiritually speaking, we understand what that concept is, but do we want to have nutrients in our life? Do we want to be healthy spiritually? It comes with a desire to God's Word. Why do I want the desire? Because I want to grow. Continually grow. Every step, every day, in every way. And here's the big one. You want to know why you should do that? You want to know why we should do this? Because have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Do you realize, like I said at the beginning, that our sins have been nailed to the cross? Jesus came and died for us. And guess what? Saved us from sin, from from being separated from Him eternally. If it's that important to us, if we understand what we've received, will we not in turn try to grow every day in every way to put our faith where it needs to be at? And that's in Jesus. If you're here and you're a Christian, you put your faith enough in Him to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You've tasted it. But does it excite you? Does it continue to help you grow and want to go tell others about it? Or have you just become numb to it? Have you fallen back into the trap of living just however and justifying every single thing that you know ain't right to keep living like you're living? If you're here today and you need to maybe repent of some things and you need to get back on track And get your faith back where it needs to be. You can today. Maybe you're here and you need to obey the gospel. Maybe you need to taste how gracious the Lord is. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And guess what that means? Your sins are forgiven by God Almighty. That is unbelievable. And we all can have that. If you're here today and you need to become a child of God, Come right now as together we stand and sing.